Welcome to episode 23 of Make Me Watch It, the podcast where I watch one of the movies that's been sitting unwatched in my collection and discuss it here with you. This month we are looking at Psycho 2. It was originally released on December 1st, 1983. Now the reason this was chosen as this month's movie is that last month I had the opportunity to take my wife to see Psycho on the big screen in one of the revival series. And I went in knowing I'd love it. I've seen Hitchcock's films many times, although I had never seen the sequels. While my wife has seen some Hitchcock, she hadn't seen Psycho. And one of the nice things about having grown up in Southeast Asia and just moving to Canada in the last three or four years, there's a lot of North American culture that she hasn't been exposed to and wasn't aware of the spoilers. So the original Psycho was a completely new experience for her. She also loved it, so we picked up a quick DVD pack that has all three of the sequels for about $7 at a local drugstore, and we just recently watched Psycho 2. I figured it would be a good one to discuss this time around, because I was one of the people who just assumed the sequels were going to be terrible, and just straight up cash grabs. It turns out that that's not the case. At least not for Psycho 2. We haven't seen 3 or 4 yet, but we did watch the second one. So the general plot of this film is that Norman Bates has been released from the mental institution where he spent the last 22 years and has been declared cured. While Lila Loomis, formerly Lila Crane, is far from convinced and is opposing his release. Edna Spool ends up helping him find a job through a local work placement program, and he eventually leaves that job in the diner to take over running the Bates Motel again, because he's not happy with what it has become in his absence as one of the quote-unquote adult motels under manager Warren Toomey. He does befriend a waitress by the name of Mary Samuels, although her birth name we eventually learn is Mary Loomis, and he takes her in and has her stay with him in the hotel in an innocent relationship. So they're in separate rooms, all of that stuff, just because he doesn't want to be alone. Some of the memories are rushing back, but he has been trying to deal with them. Unfortunately, it doesn't help him hold these memories at bay when he starts getting phone calls from his mother telling him, what to do with this Meg person who's living with him, when he finds her room completely furnished, when people start dying in the home, including some teenagers who are sneaking in. It kind of turns things on its ear. Now, I don't want to spoil everything, because there are some interesting twists as you get further into the film, but we do know from what we see objectively as the audience, this time Norman Bates isn't the killer, This time he's the victim, and someone is trying to push him back over the edge for reasons that will eventually be clear. So yeah, I wasn't expecting something of the caliber of the first Psycho, because really not much is. If you want to hear a detailed discussion of that, I was recently a guest on Is It Jaws through the Two True Freaks podcast network. Hosted by Paul Spataro, co-host Trey Hooks, who we'll be hearing much more about on Bureau 42 starting in December of 2019. 
and the three of us discuss the original at length, and I will link to that podcast on the Bureau 42 webpage that links to this one as well, or you can just search for Is It Jaws? and look for the episode that came out near the end of October 2018. As far as the production on this is concerned, it was directed by Richard Franklin, who was a fan and student of Alfred Hitchcock's. Hitchcock himself had already passed away by the time this came out. His previous director credits were Episodes of Homicide, The True Story of Eskimo Nell, Phantasm, Patrick and Road Games. His next project after this was Cloak and Dagger, and he's, according to the IMDb, best known for Hotel Sorrento, Patrick and Link as directors, and as a producer of The Blue Lagoon. He passed away in July of 2007 at age 58. This was written by Tom Holland. Of course, there is a Robert Block screen credit for creating the characters. Robert Block put out a sequel to Psycho in novel form in 1982, in which Norman Bates escapes the mental institution to go to Hollywood and prevent them from making the movie about his life. And apparently, Universal was not happy with the way the horror and film industries were portrayed in that novel, so they decided to fast-track a Psycho 2 of their own, possibly to supplant that story in the public consciousness. So, aside from Norman Bates getting out of the mental institution, apparently the two have really nothing in common. Tom Holland was tasked to write it. He is best known, or also known on the IMDb, for writing Fright Night, Child's Play, and The Langoliers, at least the adaptation of The Langoliers, as well as the adaptation of Thinner from the 1990s. So, running down his IMDb, he's not exclusively horror, but he does have a lot of horror. And apparently, he and the director got along fairly well because he also wrote Cloak and Dagger, which was Richard Franklin's next project as well. For the cast, we do have Anthony Perkins returning as Norman Bates in the role that both launched his career and, in some ways, restricted and defined his career. I mean, he had been getting work in the meantime. His most prominent projects were probably Catch-22, the 1974 Murder on the Orient Express, and The Black Hole from 1979. But he did work pretty much right up until the time of his death at age 60 in 1992, including playing Norman Bates in all four Psycho films and actually directing Psycho 3. Vera Miles returns. She was Lila Crane in the original Psycho. She's now Lila Loomis, having married Sam Lewis, her sister's ex. She has a tremendous resume. According to the IMDb, she's best known for The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, Psycho, The Searchers, and Follow Me Boys. 160 credits. Towards the end of her career, not her life, as far as I could tell, she's still with us. She was doing a lot of TV guest spots, including Murder, She Wrote, Simon and Simon, Hotel, The Love Boat, and that sort of thing. But she was in a lot of significant shows and movies in the 60s and 70s. She was even in the Lovely But Lethal episode of Columbo from 1973. Her career, at least as far as the MDB is concerned, dates back to 1950. Now, Meg Tilly 
plays Mary Loomis or Mary Samuels. She's got 29 acting credits to her name, most recently from 2017. So last year, still working. She's the younger sister of Jennifer Tilly, and there is a definite family resemblance there. As far as the IMDb is concerned, her career launched with the film Fame in 1980, where she was one of the principal dancers. She was a dancer by training as well. Then she had guest spots on Hill Street Blues and so forth before doing this. After this, she was in The Big Chill, Agnes of God, even an episode of Road to Avonlea. One of the more recognizable cast members is Robert Loja. His acting career started in 1951, and he was working pretty much up until his death in 2015. He even has some projects coming out now that he filmed before that. He's best known for big Independence Day, Scarface, and Lost Highway, so all much more prominent than this. I was pleasantly surprised to see him in this. He's got 234 acting credits to his name. He's the psychiatrist who released Norman Bates, the hotel manager who turned it into an adult hotel and didn't seem to care if the customers used drugs, because apparently he was doing that himself. He's played by Dennis Franz, who's best known for playing Andy Sipowicz in NYPD Blue. He's also in City of Angels, Die Hard 2, and Blowout. 55 acting credits to his name, but he does appear to have retired as of 2005. Hugh Gillen is in here as Sheriff John Hunt. He also plays that sheriff in Cycle 3, a different sheriff in the Elvira Mistress of the Dark movie, and the mayor in Back to the Future Part 3. 91 credits to his name, usually as some sort of character in authority. I'm seeing a lot of, you know, Duke. Judge, priest, federal agent, these kinds of roles, including an episode of Columbo. And then Claudia Breyer plays Mrs. Emma Spool. She had 119 credits to her name. She passed away in 2011, but appears to have retired from acting in 1986 with a last appearance on Hill Street Blues. There was actually only two projects she had after this film. Hill Street Blues, and a guest spot on the revived Twilight Zone. But she was in Chips, she was in Barnaby Jones, The Streets of San Francisco, Bonanza. Again, 119 credits to her name dating back to 1955. The only other actress I feel I want to point out is Virginia Gregg. She's not terribly well known for her on-screen credits. In fact, providing the voice of Norma Bates in the original Psycho and 2 and 3 would probably be her biggest claim to fame as far as films are concerned. Not that she wasn't working in film. As far as the IMDb is concerned, 225 credits, including Operation Petticoat, Police Story, Emergency, The Mod Squad. But I will know her best for her radio voiceover work. She did a lot of that in the 40s and 50s and was excellent in that. So this is, overall, a much better movie than I anticipated, with a much stronger cast. It did well at the box office. The Wikipedia estimate for the budget is about $5 million, and the box office return was closer to $35 million. It was 34.7. So we're looking for 10 to $15 million in the box office before we consider it profitable. It hit 35 
So this made millions of dollars. Now, it did get nominated for some of the horror-specific awards. It didn't win any, but the nominations were definitely there. And as I said, it it is worthwhile. So if you're shying away from it just because you see those, you know, like I saw, that combo pack with multiple sequels dirt cheap, Psycho 2 is not bad. The same bin had a pack of all four Psycho films for $15 instead of just the sequels for 7 If you see that, the first Psycho alone is well worth the $15. So then having the sequels is just icing on the cake. Although at this point, I'm not going to commit to whether or not Psycho 3 and 4 come anywhere close to living up to the legacy. Because really, even though this is enjoyable, it doesn't hold a candle to the first, but very few films can. At any rate, that's about all we have to say about Psycho 2. I am looking for guest hosts to come in and discuss the movies with me, because I do think a two-person conversation is more interesting than one person sharing their thoughts. And again, I'll encourage everyone to pop over to the Is It Jaws podcast on Two True Freaks and check out the episode we recorded about Psycho. Come back here next month for the next episode of Make Me Watch It, and thank you for listening.